You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You can call me Bruce. Bruce Nolan is standing by. Hey, wacky Bruce. Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome. To another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. Welcome back to this special Friday edition of the Bruce Exclusive. Have you noticed I call all my episodes special? I call them all special because they're my children and they're unique and special snowflakes. And no one episode is exactly like another. Also, I'm very proud of them. But we have a specific episode that is a little bit unlike the content you are used to hearing from me on this show. And that is a 53-man roster projection shock. A shocker, to be sure. But I think 53-man roster projections are more interesting this year than they have been because we're basically flying blind on information on who's getting reps with whom in training camp, what the personnel groupings look like. The only possible information that we get is very limited from the media and mostly it comes from the actual Buffalo Bills themselves. And of course, they're not going to tip stuff. So that means that the information gathered between one 53-man roster projection and the next 53-man roster projection is slim, which means you got to kind of be on your game. And you have to clearly talk about up front what your philosophy is behind this 53-man roster projection. Well, now you've got my ears perking. What's that? You want me to talk about roster building philosophy? <laughs> I'm here. So, This is the first 53-man roster projection of the year for the Bruce Exclusive, and I am doing it based on this particular quote from Brandon Bean. It's all built around this quote, and that is, unless they tell us different, that's what we have to operate with. Now, obviously, that quote from Brandon Bean needs some context. Specifically, he was talking about the salary cap Next year for 2021, we're operating right around 200 million. Now, the expectation was it was going to go to about 210 million in 2021 unless a salary cap smoothing agreement 
is reached between the NFL and the NFL Players Association next year, the salary cap could be as low as $175 million, which is $25 million lower than this year and $35 million lower than what they were previously expecting it to be in 2021. He specifically said, unless they tell us different, they being the NFL, that's what we have to operate with, that being the $175 million. So when Brandon Bean said that, I said, you know what? I'll bet you I can do a 53-man roster projection based on that quote. Because I don't know if you've heard or not, but we have a couple players coming up who we'd probably like to resign, most notably being Matt Milano and Deion Dawkins, who are both entering the last year of their contracts. So with that in mind, this is the 53-man roster projection for Bruce Nolan as of... 8-14-2020, which is the day this podcast will drop. Quarterbacks, two, Josh Allen, Matt Barkley. I understand that there's an argument to be made for Fromm. Until Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean show me that they're willing to keep three quarterbacks, three true quarterbacks, I'm going to operate on the assumption they're going to keep two. Jake Fromm will be given an opportunity, but ultimately, in this projection, he is cut along with Davis Webb. Running backs, four. Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, Taiwan Jones, Pat DeMarco. Reggie Gilliam cut. TJ Yeldon cut. Christian Wade cut. My apologies for the Christian Wade truthers out there. There is an extra spot on the practice squad waiting for him. TJ Yeldon had a shot at sticking around if we hadn't drafted Zach Moss. But he doesn't offer you the special team's ability that your third running back and your fullback need to provide you. And as such, if you're going to have Singletary and Moss be your primarily ball carriers, then you're not going to have a third down back that you only have two options with. Make him active and giving him meaningful snaps, or make him inactive. You want to have someone who you can make active for special teams in that third role. And in this projection, it's Taiwan Jones. Pat DeMarco, for very similar reasons. Wide receiver. This is where it gets a little kooky. Seven. That's right. Historically, we've kept six. However, there was a significant paradigm shift in offensive philosophy for the Buffalo Bills in the middle of 2019. And that was a significant shift toward 11 personnel. And if you're going to run 11 personnel as often as the Bills did for the back part of 2019, your need to carry more wide receivers goes up, and as such, your need to carry more tight ends goes down. So instead of going six wide receivers and four tight ends, we are going to go seven wide receivers and three tight ends. Stephon Diggs, John Brown, Cole Beasley, Andre Roberts, Gabriel Davis, Isaiah Hodgins, Isaiah McKenzie. Why did I take care of the back four in that way? I think they like Andre Roberts. I, I know that there are Bills fans out there who are trying to get rid of Andre Roberts. Some people I, I like, know, trust, and respect are trying to get rid of Andre Roberts. 
And to them, I tell you who's going to do the job. If we had someone who was effective doing the job, I would be on board with it. But we don't. The most effective punt catcher we have, who's not Andre Roberts, that's right, I pulled a Wade Phillips, is Micah Hyde. And I have no interest in having him return anything and expose himself to injury in that way. As such, Andre Roberts is your best and only bet for that. I have no interest in seeing him off the team, and I don't think the Bills do either. If they felt Isaiah McKenzie was reasonable to do it, then they wouldn't have signed Andre Roberts to begin with. The reason they signed Andre Roberts is because they were sick and darn tired of holding their breath every time Isaiah McKenzie went back there to return a punt and a kick. And for anyone out there who might be thinking, well, let's just use X, Y, and Z. Ask yourself, has X, Y, and Z ever done that before? Because I don't see effective returners all over this roster. I see one possible option, and that's Andre Roberts. I'm keeping him until somebody tells me differently. Gabriel Davis is a fourth-round pick. I don't think he's getting cut. Unless he is a disaster. And this is, mind you, completely setting aside the unbelievable praise that John Brown had for Gabriel Davis and Isaiah Hodgins when they said, no, you don't understand. They're helping us. They being Isaiah Hodgins and Gabriel Davis are helping us, the veterans, with the playbook and making sure they're in the right spots. I've never heard a statement like that. I don't know if it's just absolutely staggering hyperbole, but John Brown isn't typically known for that type of talk. So I have no idea what to make of that quote from John Brown, aside from, wow, they must be impressing. That is the only thing I can take from that quote, is that they must be impressing. So that's why Hodgins ends up making the team. In addition, Hodgins gives you something you don't have, which is a big slot option. We have a shifty slot option in Cole Beasley. But we don't have a big slot option. And Isaiah Hodgins gives you that. He gives you that David Nelson-like big slot option, which against specific teams could be valuable. Isaiah McKenzie gets the last spot. Because I personally would like to see Robert Foster in this spot. If this was a projection only by Bruce, I would prefer Robert Foster in this spot because he plays special teams And I think he can do the Isaiah McKenzie stuff. I think he proved that when we gave him very, very, very limited jet sweep. I understand he's not quite as shifty in an open field as Isaiah McKenzie does, but he's still got wheels and wheels that Isaiah McKenzie has in a straight line that are valuable. And I think linear speed is more important on jet sweeps than shiftiness. I'm going to say that again because I, I do think that's, I guess, a little bit of a hot take. As hot of a take as you can get for a seventh wide receiver discussion. And that is, I think linear speed is more important for the jet sweep action than open field shiftiness. Think about it. What is the point of that jet motion? What's the purpose? Why are you even doing it? You're doing it to either, if you give the ball to that person, outflank the defense by being able to get out on the edge faster and win the numbers and provide those seal blocks from the wide receivers to outrace them to the edge. Or you're doing it to hold the backside defender so that a slower player like Devin Singletary, Zach Moss can get to the opposite side and still have a cut cutback lane that isn't collapsed down upon by that backside linebacker. 
Both of those things are done more effectively by linear speed than by open field shiftiness. So that's why I say that. What is the purpose of that jet motion? What are you trying to accomplish? And then those things are accomplished better through linear speed. And Robert Foster's faster in a straight line than Isaiah McKenzie. So personally, if this was me, I would pick Robert Foster for that seventh spot over Isaiah McKenzie. However, it's not me. And they've proven to like Isaiah McKenzie. They haven't cut Isaiah McKenzie. They've cut Robert Foster before. And they've relegated Robert Foster to special teams basically only. So the organizational confidence level in Robert Foster, for whatever reason, is lower than it is in Isaiah McKenzie. So that's the reason why I give it to Isaiah McKenzie in this example, because it's intended to be predictive. Now, it's intended to be predictive based on a philosophy. And the philosophy was the Brandon Bean that we discussed earlier, the quote that we discussed earlier. But if it was me, I pick Robert Foster. So that means Duke's getting cut and Easley's getting cut. Duke loses out on that big slot role from Isaiah Mahajans making the team. Duke's been cut before. I don't think that him getting multiple targets in a playoff game and getting a 100-yard game from Matt Barkley when we benched everybody else is indicative of the fact that the Bills are going to keep him. I don't think the organizational belief in Duke Williams is as high as it is on the other people that I mentioned. And Nick Easley, I don't think, has a reasonable path to this roster. Tight end. Three, not four. Dawson Knox. Tyler Croft, Lee Smith. I'm sorry to the Tommy Sweeney truthers out there. Let's pour one out for Tommy Sweeney and his legendary mustache. One for him and one for my homies. Jason Kroom, nice to meet you. Nate Becker, sorry. Why did I go with those three? From a predictive standpoint, Tyler Croft restructured his contract to make it more likely he'll make the team. Sometimes you have to look at the money to have an idea of what might happen. And that's part of what this discussion is about. You have to look at the money. You can't just base your belief on 53-man roster projections on just who performed well in this preseason game or who looked good in this 11-on-11 you saw. Money is a big part of this. And I think Tyler Croft is going to make this team for that reason. Similar thing to Lee Smith. Now, I do think Lee Smith is in for a decrease in snaps due to the previous mention that I said about 11 personnel being used way often down the stretch compared to the way it was in the first part of the season where Tyler Croft was hurt and Lee Smith was getting even more reps. So if you combine those two things, we're using 11 personnel more, we're using 12 personnel less, and Tyler Croft is healthy. You put those two things together, I think Lee Smith will get less snaps. But when you want to run 12 personnel and you want to have heavy offense of line and you want to have a six offensive lineman on there, you want to have the option to do it. More options are better than less options. And for that reason, I think Lee Smith makes the team. Tommy Sweeney is simply a subpar athlete for the position. I understand that he's a perfectly reasonable rosterable player. I think he'll get picked up and give it a shot somewhere else. But he's going to be a 2-3 tight end for anybody in this league as long as they don't have someone else better. So is it reasonable that the Bills go with six wide receivers and four tight ends and Tommy Sweeney makes this roster? Yes, it absolutely is. 
that I wouldn't be shocked if that happens. But in this example, I'm going seven and three. Tommy Sweeney's on the outside looking in. Offensive line, nine. Dawkins, Spain, Morse, Winters, Ford are your five starting offensive linemen. Darrell Williams, Evan Bain, Ryan Bates, Ike Butker. Nine offensive linemen. Oh my gosh, Bruce, what happened to Ty Inseki? Do you remember what I said about Brandon Bean's quote? Ty Inseki can save the Bills quite a bit of money if they don't keep him this year. Well, Bruce, what happens to a left tackle? I think the Bills really like Ryan Bates. Having two backup offensive linemen who can play five spots is very, very rare. And Ike Butker and Ryan Bates can both do it. So in this example, Ty Inseki is serving as a couple million extra dollars of cap space that we can cut and roll over to accommodate for a potential $175 million salary cap next year. You have to find ways to make that money now and roll it over. And Ty Inseki is one of those ways. I would not have said this. I would not have predicted this if there was a cap smoothing agreement in place at the time of this recording. If Brandon Bean hadn't said that, I wouldn't be doing this. But when the money changes, so must too the decisions. And as such, this is one of them. Ty Inseki wasn't able to have his body hold up for 16 games. And with the influx of Daryl Williams, who can play right tackle or right guard, Evan Bame, who can play all three on the interior offensive line, Ryan Bates, who can play all five, and Ike Butker, who can play all five, that, to me, gives them enough faith to be able to let go of a backup left tackle, even though Ty Inseki is a valuable swing tackle in this league. Left tackle, right tackle. I think the health and the money have a reasonable chance of having him not make the team. He's a very, very expensive backup. That also means Trey Adams doesn't make the team. Harold doesn't make the team. Salako doesn't make the team. I think Adams has a chance to be a practice squad player to see if further time removed from his injuries can help him recapture some of that movement he's displayed earlier in his college career because he was not moving well during his senior year. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. On the defensive line, I have eight. 
Mario Addison, Ed Oliver, Vernon Butler, Jerry Hughes. That's your starting four. Quentin Jefferson, A.J. Epinesa, Harrison Phillips, Daryl Johnson. What does that mean? Trent Murphy's getting cut. Why is Trent Murphy getting cut in this example for the exact same reason Ty Insecki's getting cut? We need the money to roll over. Trent Murphy and Ty Insecki give the Bills basically $10 million in extra cap space, which is two-thirds of $15 million. Why do I mention that? $15 million of extra cap is one year of Deion Dawkins at a market-level contract. That's a big deal. Daryl Johnson's is a four-phase special teams player. And I think in this example, Trent Murphy's on the outside looking at it. I do not think, again, I do not think that if there was a cap smoothing agreement in place and we knew that it wasn't going to be $175 million beyond a shadow of a doubt, this would not be my projection. But that means Mike Love's on the way out, Taylor's on the way out, Niall Scott on the way out, Brian Cox on the way out. Eight defensive linemen, Addison, Oliver, Butler, Hughes become your starters. Jefferson can rotate at three-tech and also defensive end. A.J. Apinesa, defensive end, possibly kicking inside. Harrison Phillips is your backup one-tech. And Daryl Johnson becomes a backup edge and a special teams player. Linebackers, six. Matt Milano, Tremaine Edmonds, A.J. Klein, Voshan Joseph, Tyler Matakiewicz, Corey Thompson, six. I don't really feel comfortable with our backup linebacker situation, folks. I don't feel comfortable. If Milano goes down, we're in trouble. If Edmund goes down, we're in trouble. I'm not a big A.J. Klein guy. I understand that they're going to ask him to play 10 to 15 snaps, playing into the line of scrimmage on the strong side, coming downhill and stuffing the run. But if Matt Milano goes down, A.J. Klein's probably going over to that side unless Voshan Joseph is ready. Voshan Joseph is a C-ball, get-ball, weak side linebacker pursuit guy. I hope that by now, his diagnostic skills have improved based on what I saw on tape for Florida. Tyler Matakiewicz is not a linebacker. He's a special teams player that you have to slot somewhere. In this case, we slotted him at linebacker. But he's, for all intents and purposes, non-existent on this depth chart. Because if he's playing defense for you, something has gone terribly wrong. And Corey Thompson was the first man up at middle linebacker and the first man up at all the linebacker spots when they were given an opportunity last year in training camp. Now, this means Tyrell Dotson doesn't make the team. I think there's a reasonable chance Tyrell Dotson could make the team because there's something there with the Bills and Tyrell Dotson and his abilities. You could possibly swap him out for Corey Thompson if you see enough growth, but I can't see that at this point. They hung on to Tyrell Dotson, even though he had some problems last year. That also means Phillips is on his way out. Corners, six. Tredavious White, Josh Norman, Levi Wallace, Saran Neal, Taron Johnson, Dane Jackson. Yes, Dane Jackson makes the team. The Bills do not like cutting their draft picks. They don't like doing it. Remember that for later. They don't like cutting their draft picks. But also, Saran Neal is technically a corner now. Now, he's, again, he's a corner just as much as Tyler Matakiewicz is a linebacker because Serrano is mostly a special teams player. He is not the preferred starter at this point in his career. Taron Johnson is. 
Go listen to uh, Joe Marino's Locked On Bills. I think it was the Twitter Tuesday extension that was Wednesday, where he was talking about how when Taron Johnson is healthy, Saran Neal basically sees zero time on defense. That'll tell you everything you need to know. Safety, four. Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, Dean Marlowe, Jaquan Johnson. I think that's fairly stable. I don't think there's a lot of opportunity there for a lot of movement. Special teams. Reed Ferguson. And now we have to pick the specialists. We got a kicker battle and a punting battle. I'm going with Corey Bohorkas. And I'm going with Tyler Bass. Now, I know I said last week that there was a possibility that one of the protected practice squad positions could be used for Tyler Bass. And I still believe that's a possibility. But the Bills have made decisions based on practices before, specifically when it comes to specialists. You know, they they signed Stephen Hauschka to an extension last year before the season. They made those decisions based on what they saw in practice. Because remember, Hauschka the year before in 18 had come down the home stretch a little bit rocky. And there were some questions about him going into 2019 as to whether or not he would recapture his form. And we didn't know that yet when they signed the extension with him. We didn't know that he was going to recapture his form. But he signed the extension anyway. So the Bills have proven already that they're willing to make contractual decisions and roster decisions based on practice only. And because of that, And because of the fact that I previously discussed that they really don't like cutting draft picks, I'm going to go with Tyler Bass right now, which means Hauschkus gets cut, Karivedvik gets cut. There you have it, folks. Two quarterbacks, four running backs, seven wide receivers, three tight ends, nine offensive linemen, eight defensive linemen, six linebackers, six corners, four safeties, and three specialists. 53. That's my projection right now, and all of it was philosophically based around Brandon Bean saying, until they tell us any different, that's what we have to operate with. That being $175 million, which means you got to save some money. And the two big cuts based on that are Ty Insecki and Trent Murphy. You can roll it over and you can help offset some of that salary cap crunch. And you're doing it with players that were going to be really expensive backups. There you have it, folks. That is the first Bruce Nolan 53-man roster projection as of 8-14-2020. Let me know what you think. Shoot me a Twitter message. You can't DM me. I keep my DMs closed because I don't like people. But, you know, I like you guys, though, sometimes. So (laughs) shoot me a a Twitter note. Shoot me an email. I am BruceAlmighty at Yahoo.com. And that's the way the cookie grumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan. Buffalo Rumble.